I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Cool. Cool, cool. Back again. Yep. What you been up to? Oh, building stuff. I made a... So, like, everyone in the... Not everyone. So... People in the Laravel community, you know, were joking like, oh, get, make me a table too. Make me a table. And so I've made a like workbench table so I can make more tables. So you made a table to make more tables. I made a table to make more tables. Exactly. It's very like meta programming, <laughs> if you will. It's so funny how like aligned woodworking is, in my opinion. And of course, I'm biased because I am a programmer. There's just a lot of similarities in the way you think about it and approach the problem well it's all problem solving right sure exactly exactly there you go you summed it up so it's different in the fact that it's it's physical and it's finite you know when it's done it's done like software is never ending but yes you're right it's it's problem solving it's crafting as much or as little as you want to kind of the point of the last episode right like yeah you can build something super crappy and have nails hanging out the side or you can like polish something down multiple times multiple coats you know multiple yeah, no visible hardware you know really nice drawings yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so but yeah anyway so I, i've been working on that um since last week and i saw you built a table for taylor yes so like last year at Laircon, we were at the speaker dinner and at the end of the night you know um I had kind of made my way over to to Taylor's table and and Abigail was there and I forgot how we got on the topic. I think I had just like got on Instagram and posted, I post more of my woodworking stuff on Instagram. Yeah. And like, so she had remarked, oh, I saw, you know, pictures of your table or whatever, you know, we need a table. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll build you one or whatever. And we kind of, it was a joke at first. She was like, well, how would you get it? you know, to Arkansas and like all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> drive it. So anyway, yeah, long story short, we, um, I came across some, some raw wood, uh, back in January and I messaged Taylor and I was just like, y'all still want that table? And you know, we just got the ball rolling. So made it happen. It came out really nice from the photos I saw. Yeah. We'll link to Abigail's posts on uh, Twitter about it. I didn't know if they wanted to share any of that or not. So like, I just kind of kept it super quiet, you know, but yeah, once, once she shared something, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll chat about it then. And it was fun. I, I put like a Laravel brand on it. And, and when you say brand, do you mean like actual brand, like old school, like metal heated yeah, up like brand? Yeah, like fire, fire brand. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. I think, I think they were pretty excited about it because I, I let them keep it. Cause I mean, you know, what am I going to use it for again? Yeah. Um, so like it was just kind of a, a special secret part of the the table and you know kind of like we were talking about before about like it's something you would never see or notice it was on the underside of the table you know and it was just it just gave it that last bit of finish that really made it yeah. beyond just kind of, like it already was custom but then it was like personalized custom you know yeah and all new employees can come and get a brand on themselves as well <laughs> oh yeah he was teasing the kids and stuff it was pretty funny so he was like are you are you true to the cause and like all this stuff. <laughs> So it was good. But anyway, yeah, so that's that's uh that's what I've been doing. Well, let's get let's get into like some technical stuff this time. Let's start doing some tech episodes here. Yeah. Something that uh I wanted to kind of talk about is the Laravel container or just IOC containers in general. 
service containers, all these sort of words kind of all mean the same thing. You know, dependency injection all kind of comes along with it. You'd brought this one up a while back to kind of like wanting to talk about. So yeah, let's let's get into it. So someone I was working with was kind of new to, to Laravel and PHP in general. Um, and he'd kind of seen in the docs, you know, you can put like dependency injection in controllers and it just automatically gives it to you. But then mm-hmm. he made a class of his own and didn't really kind of understand why it didn't work there as well. And so I started thinking of like, back to, you know, the service container and how it works and how, like, from an outsider perspective, I still remember when it also felt like a mystery to me as well. It's like, it's using all these these kind of really programmery terms, um, like, you know, IOC, inversion of control, all these sorts of things that... Sure. They're less tangible than I think a lot of object-oriented programming terms can be when you can often relate things to the real world, whereas, like, a service container is kind of a lot more abstract. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But I think when you do understand it, you really unlock a lot more power in Laravel and anything else that uses similar principles. Um, so yeah, I kind of wanted to, I guess, go over my understanding of it and hopefully can help other people who still might be a little bit of a mystery with to understand it. And I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I definitely have more thoughts maybe on when you are using the container, yeah, maybe you should kick off the foundational stuff. Cause I agree. Like if you, if you've never had the concept of like container of any nature with anything else, um, and you're kind of like Laravel's your first venture into a, not only a, maybe a web framework, but also these concepts, even though the docs does, a, I think a good job of kind of getting you up to speed on it. It can still be one of those, higher level or or you know rather deeper topics that you know takes some time to get used to and i think a lot of people they do get experience with it from a very early stage in terms of dependency injection so they're exposed to the something's happening but at that point they're focused on you know actually building their application and not so much like the underlying parts that sometimes you can forget about it and and it that's that too, though, is even another buzzword that in the beginning feels like it's kind of like hand in hand with the container and it, it is, but it isn't right. Like, yeah, they're not one in the same per se, like one facilitates the other, but like, um, you know, dependency injection is, is used broadly, like on its own. It, it yeah, doesn't you don't even necessarily need have anything to yeah. do with the container mm. per se. Yeah. So, so yeah, we should definitely hit all those. So let's, let's, let's go back a second and Okay, what do you so want like, to say about the container? What is it? Well, I think one of the best ways to mind. kind of think about it is like out of the context of Laravel, if you just were going to write your own one from scratch, you could really just have a a store of like an array of um, of key value pairs where you register this thing points to this thing. Yeah. And so the thing that you're referring to could be a name, like a string. It could be an interface and pointing to like an implementation. But generally it's really just a mapping of like abstracts to concretes, but- It's just a key to a value. Exactly, yeah. So when you, you know, bind something in the container, you're pretty much just adding something to this array of, you know, when I want this thing, give me that thing. Exactly. And so 
like you know Laravel and I think of a lot of a lot of other implementations add you know obviously a lot more to it. Sure. So let's stick with the key value bit because I think that's pretty strong and pretty approachable. Yeah. So let's so let's get a little more specific though. So it is key value, but what we're going to call it maybe is an object map. Yes. So like it's a map of objects. So you have a key on one side and the other side's some kind of object. Yeah. So this might help talk about singletons because otherwise when we ask this object map for a specific object with this key, if we don't bind it as a singleton, then we get a new object every, every time. Every time, yeah. And sometimes that's what you want, but not obviously every time. <laughs> yeah. So we have the ability to say it's a singleton and that guarantees that we get the same exact object instance back every time yeah and that's handy obviously for things like maybe the database where you don't want to create like a separate connection to the database for every query you want to use the same class every time yeah. and, and use the same the same connection because you know databases can only handle a certain number of connections facades are a good example in laravel 2 of singletons yeah that's true yeah yeah so and facades use the service container to kind of work out what it maps to yep often if you look at a facade it's just returning a string and that string is the key in the service container exactly to tell it where to find the thing exactly yeah we'll link to that part of the docs where they show you what key what string key a facade is and what it maps to by default and so yeah it's just an object map <clears throat> exactly and they are strings i mean the string can be just a word like cache or it, the string can actually be a path to a class or an interface. And so when you resolve it, it's then just it's just looking it up. Yeah, the fully qualified class name. So let's talk about that then. We know Laravel is using the container, but how would how would I use the container? Like like going back to this developer earlier, you were saying like yeah, they made a class. What they do? Why didn't it work? Well, in this particular case, they had been exposed to like dependency injection in controllers. So in a controller method, you can put, like you can just type in the request and Laravel will give you an instance of the request. And so he kind of thought the same thing would happen um, in just a regular old class, put it in the constructor, type in the thing. And then when you instantiate, you know, just new up that class. So did they have dependency injection? There were parameters in the, I think, in the constructor. But then they were still using new? They were just newing it up and kind of expecting it to work. Ah, uh, I see. And I think when you hadn't used Laravel a great deal, you kind of see it working in some places and not in other places. It can be quite confusing. So there's one thing I'll say as a bit of a tangent on that. If you're calling new anywhere in your application with the exception of maybe some kind of service provider, mm -hmm. you're probably missing an opportunity to use the container or dependency injection, which in turn uses the container. Exactly. So if you have new in your code, there's probably a better way to do it and a better way to do it meaning through the container. Yeah. Now, why is the container better? I'll answer my own question. <laughs> For testing reasons. Yes. Okay. <laughs> And we talked about this in our little testing mini series, which we can link to that specific episode as well. But if you're calling new, you have no hook to get at that object exactly. to be able to, to potentially control it in a way that's going to be helpful for you to test, right? Yeah. So 
that might help lay the foundation for going back to the second part of it, which is which is the whole dependency injection container stuff. So again, if you're doing new anywhere, there's probably a chance to resolve it out of the container. And I'll talk more about streamlines for doing that here in a minute. But let's go back to the, the dependency injection bit. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that the, the thing with newing is, I think it applies more to services than more traditional object-oriented. Like if I want a new instance of carbon like a value object that's fair if you're do if you're newing up a model yeah. or something that's a little like if you're newing up a very low level data object yes you're right so it's more for like when your service yeah so like whether you want the database or even some service you've created yourself yeah good point good point even for models though i would argue you should use like create or something but that's you know? not using the container though right like sure so yeah. but you're still not using new no <laughs> saying saying new like I totally agree, is generally something where it sets off alarm bells. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So where were we? We were going to go back to the dependency injections. So you said they had a constructor and yeah. they had parameters and they were type hinted. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. But in, but then they were using new yeah. inside of there for the properties instead of the the arguments that were coming in. Okay. So yeah. So getting back to this particular scenario, all that really needed to happen to get the dependency injection side of it working was to resolve the particular class from the container instead of newing it up. So Laravel has helper methods like app make and resolve and all these sorts of things. Yeah. And one cool thing with Laravel's implementation is you don't necessarily have to have bound what you're asking for into the container. Yeah. You can just ask it to give you an instance of a class. So you pass in the, the class as a string, so you can use the colon colon class syntax to, you know, get the IDE. Yes. Another good practice. Another good practice. Yeah. Instead of referencing like an actual string, you're using a kind of like a smart string. I don't know how, what you want to call it, but. Well, it gets statically analyzed by PHP, so it'll actually throw an error, whereas a string is going to be a, a production runtime issue that you get a call about at 3 a.m. Exactly. So, so you can resolve pretty much anything out of the container, like a, a, a regular class. And Laravel will look at the constructor and say, okay, is everything in this constructor things I can resolve? And if they're all regular classes that Laravel can new up, then it will new them up and pass them in. And if those in turn have their own dependencies, it'll go down the tree. But as soon as you've got something in your constructor that is not a concrete class, so it's an interface, maybe it's a primitive value like a string, then that's when you'll get the binding resolution exception, as Laravel calls it. Sure. Where Laravel doesn't know how to resolve it because you haven't told it what to do in the scenarios where it doesn't find a concrete class that it knows how to instantiate. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it was actually one of the first streamlines I wanted to mention. I think a lot of people, when they do get a little bit familiar with how to use the container, much much like anything else that's new, kind of overuse it in a way. And the way to overuse the container is you basically bind everything, everything right? You think yeah. everything has to be bound. And, and some side effects of that is like everything has to have an interface and then a concrete. Yeah. Well, I think it calls it abstract and then the concrete. Yeah. 
you don't need that cruft. You end up writing like basically a Java application if if you yeah. you know follow follow that approach, um, which just you know that's fine. But it's just not Laravel. Going back to kind of episode one where we're talking about you know grokking the framework and being close, it's just all these extra classes that you might only type hint that interface one time. Yeah. For the concrete, may as well just use the concrete. Like you're not getting any additional value. Yeah, exactly. To the point, in that scenario, you don't even need to bind it because Laravel will make an effort to go and reflect that class by name and call new on it. And it will also try to new up any of its parameters, as you've said. Yeah. Well, I mean, to go further, I don't think Laravel even calls new on it. I think it calls the container again all the way down the line because it wants to be able to kind of recursively find dependencies all the way down the tree. <laughs> it will instantiate an instance yes. of that class though. Yep. Like not new as in the keyword new yes. that I was griping about a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> it will it will give you a a new instance of that object. Yeah. But even if you don't have dependencies in your constructor or arguments or parameters, whatever you want to call them, it's still beneficial to resolve it out of the container rather than just newing it up because like you said, it gives you the benefit of being able to bind it in a test. So that when sure. a test asks for it, you can actually swap out a mock version instead. Exactly. And that's that's the number one benefit for sure, like yeah. with a bullet. But in the real world, I do understand not everyone's testing. So again, not only would it be an eye to the future to use Resolve or App Make, but also it's a chance to just level up your skills to understand what Laravel gives you a little bit more, even again, if it's if it uh, feels a little extra in the moment. That's okay because, again, it's it's kind of getting you closer to the framework and how the framework kind of does things. And you're only going to be better for learning that. Yeah, I agree. To summarize what we were saying before is the service container is, you know, a mapping of of key value pairs of, you know, of, of keys that point to classes. But Laravel service container doesn't need to have a map for every single thing you want to resolve. It really only needs a map for the things that it can't resolve because it's an interface yeah, or it's a string or something along those lines. Yes, you have to tell the container what it means when you want one of those. What's the real thing? What's the concrete class that you want when you're type hinting that? Yeah, and that's a that's a really cool pattern because you can you know use the kind of the whole driver thing of you know, what cache driver do you want to use? Want to use the database or Redis or whatever it is. So you've got the interface that says, this is how all cache drivers behave. And then you can say, well, in this scenario, I want to bind anytime something asks for cache driver, which is, you know, the interface or the contract, give it this concrete database cache driver or Redis cache driver or whatever it might be. Yeah. But most of the time, though, I think that pattern is overused and misused. Exactly. I think people have one use case and they want to create an interface for it and all that sort of stuff. And I've, I used to do it, but until I've got two, I tend to not worry about creating an interface for it. I rarely have interfaces in my Laravel applications. It's just not a very common pattern for me. So yeah, it, it is something that is valuable, I agree with, but it's a very, very nuanced case of that you know, where you potentially would truly need to swap it yeah. within your own application. Laravel has a hundred reasons why it would need to swap something because it's it's a framework that yeah. can be incredibly, you know, configured. Yeah, to be able to have different implementations. But in the applications we're writing, we generally have one 
implementation. The hard truth is it's it's an absolute yagni. Like it's probably yeah. It's probably very much a scenario where you are not going to need that. And you might say, oh, it doesn't hurt, but often you end up then creating, you know, all these methods on an interface that one implementation needs, but then others don't. And then you go down that rabbit hole of of creating this like really kind of leaky abstraction. You know, there's probably a lot more I could say on that from like a shift analytic and, and even going back to some of the talks um, that I've given before kind of about some traditional OOP principles and patterns that really just don't have a place in Laravel. Yeah, that'd be interesting, actually. Maybe we'll come back to that on on the next episode a little bit more. So so to kind of round out this one, since we're, we're getting to keep these about 20 minutes, let's talk about just a few more streamlines and then, and then we'll summarize whatever else we need to. So going back to what we said, you really only need to bind the things that have abstractions of some kind, mm-hmm. or you explicitly want them to be singletons or they have complex parameters which the container is not going to be able to figure out for you. Yeah, like a config array or something. Exactly, yeah, some kind of primitive type or whatever. And you can still use the container for those. You just have to kind of have some placeholder arguments or use make with or something along those lines. So aside from those, though, there are some additional streamlines that you can do. So did you know that in any of the service providers you can define a bindings or a singleton's property and it will do the mappings for you. This one's pretty cool. It's a yeah, a really nice little way of cleaning up your service provider. Yeah, so instead of in your app service provider, you know, doing app bind or app singleton or whatever, you could actually just say in that class add a property for singletons and just do your mapping yeah so most of the time i think a lot of applications typically don't have very complex container things that they're resolving and if they do to your point those are kind of defined in register or or boot or whatever yeah so that means that if you just want that higher level service object to be a singleton i don't even have to go through the trouble of writing the closure and doing all that I can just make, you know, this property and say, okay, this thing is a singleton yeah, and it's done. So it's a nice little streamline. And I I know I like to do that because a lot of times I'm just really declaring something as a singleton. So that property has been nice. And I think I want to say it was introduced maybe in like 5.8. So it's, it's been around for a little bit, definitely since six, but probably I think even potentially earlier than that. So Yeah, it's definitely one that I only discovered recently. So Cool. Any other streamlines? Uh I feel like there's one more, but it will be it'll be in base layer valve for sure. So the only other thing I did want to mention yeah, go ahead. was that to keep in mind that when it seems like it's magic in a controller or in a job or any of the other places where Laravel Laravel is effectively calling resolve for you on your controller when it's resolving the controller for you it's calling resolve internally and that's how the dependency injection gets there so if you want it to work outside of any of the places that laravel does it for you you've got to do it you've got to say resolve or app make or whatever it might be yeah but once you kind of get and understand that i think a lot of the the mystery of it goes away and you can start actually using it kind of with intention 
that made me think of kind of one of the cooler ones if you want to go core diving into Laravel. One of the cooler container resolutions are form requests. Okay. Because form requests are reflected in your controller action. Yeah. They're type hinted, right? Yeah. So that's how the form request works. So they're reflected out of there. The container grabs them, resolves them, but form requests also have a trait on them. Validates when resolves. Validates when resolves. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Which automatically calls the validate method. So it, yep. there's a lot going on there to leverage. Again, kind of like we talked about how it grokked the framework. It's really tied very, very you know tightly into the framework yeah. so it's pretty cool to see all this in action so if you really want to test your chops click deep into laravel on a form request and and see if you can follow what it's doing based on that yeah and i don't want to like push us too much over time but a quick little like thing sure, that sure. i don't see people using on that validates when resolve trait is there's a i think it's prepare for validation um, protected method on there that is basically defined but has nothing in it and that's one you can actually add to your form request where you can kind of hook into the process before it validates it when resolved. So say yeah. you want to make your email addresses all lowercase or something before it hits the validator because maybe your validator is doing a unique check on the database and sure. whatever it might be. You can hook into that little thing by using prepare for validation. That'd be another one we may get to is just like, yeah, just controller level funness in Laravel. Yeah, little things that are kind of defined for you that Laravel will call that internally they're not using. It's like there for you as a hook. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that was a that was a pretty good one on the yeah. container. So we'll keep digging deeper into other concepts. We'll we'll probably hit the core concepts too, like model view controller stuff. So we'll just see how far this goes. If you have any suggestions or ideas or follow-ups, hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, and if you have any questions about service container and if it's still a little bit mysterious or magical like let me know because it's i really want to help people understand how to use it and how to get the most out of it because it's yeah i think it's a bit of a superpower yeah absolutely so hit us up on twitter Sweet. and we'll see you next time see ya show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 24